I'm Sam. I'm David. And this is the Trafe Podcast. Welcome to our one-year anniversary spectacular. Okay, we could start with that too, David. Um, we've been doing this podcast now for over a year. One whole year. So we thought we'd have a special anniversary episode where we just look back at the year, talk to some people who have helped us make this podcast happen. Yeah, David, how did we start making this podcast? That's a good question. Um, we organized together a bunch of Jewish anarchist-ish <laughs> around the invasion into Gaza. Well, yeah, there, we, were, we were part of, of a broader group of people who were trying to do some leftist Jewish organizing work. And then meetings were insufferable, and we all decided to go our own ways. And I guess this was the way we decided to go. We probably also both talked about liking podcasts to each other. So here's my memory of us starting to make this podcast. Yeah. Is that we wanted to figure out how to make podcasts and decided the only way to do that was oh, through yeah. making a podcast. That's true. And so... We had this grand vision that we're going to do a storytelling podcast about people on the left who have these amazing stories. Yes. And we started renting out the microphones from CKUT and and going to people with interesting stories and talking about their stories with them. This is the official Trafe origin story. (laughs) And then we realized after trying to edit them that... It was hard. Not only that it was hard, but just that positioning ourselves as the gatekeeper of those stories and framing them was actually like really weird and that maybe we should focus on something that we could speak to and and had more experience with. And I think, I, I guess speaking for myself, there was a little bit of a kind of naivete expecting that we could do more when we hadn't even recorded one thing before. Yeah, and so I remember, I actually remember we were trying, we spent like an entire week trying to edit this one interview together. Ugh. And then I just remember you were, you just said, why don't we just do that thing where we just talk about the news every week like I do on Canada Land that requires no effort at all. <laughs> Meanwhile, it involves a ton of effort, yeah, but a different kind. And they were like, oh yeah, we, w- we don't have to do anything and we just get used to using all the equipment. Yeah. <laughs> that was the idea behind Trey Podcast. Okay, so this is the official story. And I mean like the, the prettier, nicer, more political story is that I do think we both wanted to listen to radio that dealt with Jewish politics and ideas that we couldn't find anywhere else. Most definitely, yeah. Yeah. So that's that's the start. And then we uh, started sneaking in the back door at CKUT, uh, booking up their studios. Yeah. Um, so that's the official... That's a lovely little story. Uh, Secret Origins, issue number one. David, uh, do you know how to make those YouTube videos where like we could put the the kind of the story of us talking over and then there would be images? Oh, like, a, like you want a PowerPoint <laughs> slideshow on top of this? No, PowerPoint. Um, like those drawing stories, you know? You, so oh, yeah. You, so you can't do it. Well, I mean, I'm not an illustrator. Oh, too bad. Yeah. But Sam, looking back at the year, what do you think has changed about like where you're at in terms of the things that we talk about in the show? Because for me, I know that it, my perspective on a lot of things has changed by doing the show. Classic uh, This American Life maneuver. Uh, we both learned how to do to ask that question in a This American Life zine. <laughs> but yeah, no, we were talking about this the other day after we interviewed a really important Jewish academic who we will not mention yet because the episode is yet to be released. But I just feel like beyond the fact that I think people can learn from some of the discussions we're having, I felt like I've learned so much from a lot of the discussions we're having. This yet to be named person was talking about the kind of place of Jewish radicals in a broader ecosystem of Jewish history in a certain part of the world. And it, it resonated with me in a way that I'd never really thought of before to a certain extent. So I think that with each episode we are adding more nuance and more context and fleshing out things that we will never be able to fully flesh out and add nuance to. But I think we're adding uh, pieces to the Bristol board. I don't know. Yeah. And for me, I remember I hadn't watched Fiddler on the Roof since I was a kid. <laughs> and I always hated it. Like it was this, the the motion picture version of Fiddler on the Roof that we had as a, like a three VHS box. Mm-hmm. And it was three. Wasn't it three? I we didn't have it. Uh, it was really long. I just remember when Titanic came out, there were two, oh. and that was just exceptional. But me and some friends decided to watch it, and it just gave me all these feelings in ways I totally didn't anticipate. <laughs> and I realized that just through doing the show, that my relationship to Jewishness had actually shifted. Huh? Where I feel like 
like again like we talk a lot about the fact that i grew up in an orthodox community i went to an orthodox high school and and i left and it took me time to understand that there are ways of interacting with jewishness that were not mitigated or defined by religion in any way mm. and i think doing this show provided me the, the way to do that and, that's and, beautiful david yeah and having done that for a year i actually was watching this thing and and had all these identifications with it because I've been an active participant in, I guess, Jewish life by doing this podcast. Yeah. But uh, but that said, this was a year of learning how to make a podcast. So for everyone who stuck with us, thank you. It was definitely shaky at times. Yeah. I guess, yeah, we're we're getting all sentimental. It's only been one year, but... um... I met a producer from CBC a couple months before we started making the show and kind of was like, I really like radio. How do I do this? And her answer was always just like, do it. Mm -hmm. And that didn't make sense to me. I was like, no, I need to read these things. I need like a list. I need to talk to people. I need to understand. But it's been really fruitful to just do and learn in that process. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's been great for me. I feel like now I know how to do audio editing. I know how to put a podcast together. And that's actually like my job outside of Trafe is putting together a podcast for like a a leftist newspaper right now. Called? Uh, uh, It's called The Dominion, put out by the media media co-op network. Still not not the best at promoting said podcast. Um, So David, just following the the roller coaster of of your anniversary episode framework, talk about some mishaps. Mishaps. (laughs) Mishaps. <laughs> Tell me about moments that you felt. Um... You're talking about the Dave's Iron episode, aren't you? <laughs> I wasn't explicitly, but now that you mention it, please share. Um, so what Sam wants me to say is that early on, I think it was our third episode. I think like, so. Right when we started the podcast, uh, Dave Zirin, who is a very well-known leftist sports reporter that whose work we both uh, admire very much and is sort of a big name agreed to talk with us on the podcast and we were really excited and we got up super early i think several days in a row and came to the station oh, yeah and each day he had to change the date and finally we, we caught him and we did the interview and all of our preparation paid off and the conversation was just so great and we were we were so happy about it and that we were getting someone like this so early on and then we realized that i didn't press record on on the computer Yep, two-part two two part responsibility there, but uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, Dave Zirin was so nice. We called him right back, and he was like, I'm, you know, I understand this happens. We can try to reschedule. He agreed to talk to us again about a different issue. Check out episode, like, 13 maybe or 14. I don't know. He, he came back. But, God, God bless you, Dave Zirin. But the pain of losing that interview <laughs> at that time, like, I just can't communicate how bad that felt at that moment yeah to me that is the mishap yeah that of the was Trafe, bad of Trafe podcast but like if that's the worst thing i mean we've done pretty okay for ourselves right yeah yeah i guess so yeah. i mean what and, is there any, any other big ones um i think maybe isn't a mishap but i think is a tragedy is how many comedic pieces we have put together and tried to make work for the show and have never made it. I think any any segment we try to do for the sake of humor just always gets vetoed by someone. Would you like to share one? Um, we've had, we had this, like, we, we broadcast one version of this, where, but we had this recurring segment that I think we had three or four of called Is It Anti-Semitic? Where the original framing was that we would have people come into the studio and tell us a story or a situation from their life and ask us if it was anti-Semitic, and then we'd investigate, and we'd, we'd give them an answer. Yeah, that was a good one. And it that just, was a good premise. Or for every segment, something just wouldn't sound right to one of us, and it always it always ended up being vetoed at the end of the day. How about Two Jews Talk Jesus? Yeah, we, where had, we... we had like a 10-part series <laughs> called Two Jews. <laughs> oh, no, it was just or called... sorry, it was Jews Talk Jesus. Yeah, it was called Jews Talk Jesus. Where we talked about, where, where me and David tried to kind of learn and figure out all the intricacies of the story of Jesus and the Trinity and this thing have, that is amazing. David. We have a lot of secret gems for the show yeah. that just never made it, and I, we're not funny. Well, there are some bits that I think were funny. I don't know. Anyway, I, I probably shouldn't refer to these things because they're not making it to air, but that, I think is its own tragedy. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. I have uh, no other no other negatives really to talk about. All right. Yeah. Um, so maybe we should just dive into the rest of the show. Sure. I mean, basically, the idea for this show was to talk to a bunch of the people who've made the show possible. So we talk with the folks at CKUT, the folks upstairs, as they are called, uh, and a bunch of other people who have helped make the show possible in the last year. And one of those people is my mother, who was kind enough to come into this tiny little box of a room at CKUT and withstand the heat to talk with us. One Sarah Zinman. 
So this is your one-year extravaganza trafe anniversary episode for the years 5775 and 5776. David, can you talk a little bit about how we're going to start this voyage? Oh yeah, so um, the first folks that we're going to check in with today are the folks upstairs at CQT, Aaron and Tamara. We, we check in with them every couple of months. Aaron and Tamara are the news and culture coordinators, respectively, at this very important community radio station in Montreal, and have been incredibly kind and generous to us for the last year. And so to return that kindness and generosity, we brought them into the studio to complain to them about uh, several things. Yes, uh, this is the second time for Trafe Diehards. We spoke to them a few months ago, and that can be found in the CKT check-in short. Uh, this is round two. Uh, yeah, we're going to keep checking in with the folks upstairs every few months just to see how we're doing on the show. But this is the last time that we will be talking with one of them. David, that's really creepy. I mean, we're not going to kill either of them. Aaron just got a new job. Tamara, Aaron, welcome. Thank you. Nice to see you. For people who are just tuning in, uh, you are our overlords at CKUT. That's accurate. That's correct. I mean, I would like to make a precision that we're the coordinators in a non-hierarchical organization. Coordinator is not there to uh, dictate, but rather to coordinate. Okay, let's get down to business here. Uh, Me and David really want to talk about how you have chosen to not put Trafe on the blackboard and how we don't yet have a cubby for mail. What blackboard? Well, upstairs you have a list of all the shows on CKUT. Every single show on CKUT. And on Friday, because we share a Friday slot, and you see all the different shows that share Fridays, but we're not on the list. And also, all the shows have little cubby boxes in the station, but we don't have a cubby. Well, okay, first of all, I should say that the cubbies are outdated because no one even gets real physical mail anymore. I mean, why do you even want a cubby to begin with? I don't know. It feels very official. I'll make you a cubby. You can have my cubby. How about that? Okay, thank you. Like, are you guys expecting to get, like, Canadian Jewish news in paper format, like in your cubby or something? That would be ideal, actually. Clearly. Well, I wanted to ask, actually, because uh, every couple of months we like to check in with you guys, just see how the podcast is doing. And last time we talked to Mary, you said that you hadn't listened to very many episodes. So have you, have you had a chance to listen to more? Yeah, actually, um, a Eurocommunist is somebody uh, who follows a communist sort of process, but that is more relevant to Western Europe and does not have any allegiance to the Soviet-style communism. Oh, wow. Uh, For listeners, uh, this is a deep cut to a previous episode where we were asking what Eurocommunism meant. In reference to a high-ranking official of the institutional Jewish community who told us that he was a Eurocommunist at one point. Uh, But the reason reason we wanted to check in with you guys today is because it's actually our one-year anniversary celebration. We're doing a special one-year anniversary podcast. I knew that. Congratulations. Thank you. In like five minutes, we get a card from Tamara that's like dated three days ago. Yeah. <laughs> it just got lost. And uh, we, yeah, so we just wanted to check in and, and kind of look back at the year with mm-hmm. you guys as the coordinators here at the station yeah. to see how we're doing. I have a notoriously horrible memory, so I always just have to remind myself what I have listened to, what I haven't. Um, that's respectable. It's more like snippets of the podcast that stand out for me. For example, it really warmed my heart when you had on... Um, the British guest, uh, what was that dude's name? Joseph Finley. Yes. Finlay, Finley, I'm not sure. And Joseph um, mentioned the Battle of Cable Street, which I think is one of my um, favorite you know, moments in like working class or popular you know, people's history because, actually maybe not because, but in relation to, um, one of my favorite punk songs is about the Battle of Cable Street. What's that song? It's uh, Let the Boots Do the Talking by Oi Polloi, an amazing Uh, uh, Scottish anarcho-punk anti-fascist band. And uh, yeah, they wrote a song about the Battle of Cable Street, which always like really inspires me because it's all just about kicking Nazi ass and that's a whole other conversation. This is actually a perfect time to plug your radio show slash podcast, and- Aaron, which you we are very proud to uh, say that you have found a home for The Rebel Beat. Yeah. Uh, would you like to talk about that for a hot second? Sure, yeah. The Rebel Beat um, just relaunched with Firebrand Records. Pretty awesome record label started by Tom Morello of Rage Against the Machine and Ryan Harvey 
it's been a lot of fun. Also, another thing, too, that I find on the show really funny is, like, sometimes you guys will, like, get into, like, talking about something that either Sam or David are, like, interested in. And I'd be like, oh, no. Like, when, when you had a guest on and we were talking about, like, hardcore punk, David was like, I'm going all in. And then Sam was like, oh, I can't be part of this conversation. I was like, <laughs> no, go all in. Or, you know, like, hockey would be another example, right? I, I just think there should be more uh, talk of sports and more talk of punk rock on top of all the other awesome stuff you guys are doing. We talked last time we were on, we had a discussion about podcasts and intimacy and craft work. And I'm just wondering, like, um, have your feelings about podcasts and podcasting evolved? We know that CKUT now is delving a little bit more into the podcast realm. Is this a desire for CKUT to get more intimate? Well, I think it's clearly a result of the absurd success that is Trafe Podcast. Definitely, definitely. Absolutely. You're definitely an inspiration. <laughs> uh, I think one thing CQT is trying to do is to co-opt podcasts a little bit. Cool. Uh, please elaborate. Make them less podcasty sounding and make it sound more like FM radio. Yeah, I mean, I guess we could say Trafe is, is the flagship CKUT podcast. Maybe my, my Jewish bias is coming out as well. I mean, maybe we can talk a bit about the podcast project that we're trying to, uh, like the pilot project that we're trying this year. Well, like, it's an observation I've had working here at CKUT that, like, most people coming into the station who are under 25 don't own a radio. But those same people are, like, really, really excited about podcasts. And so I think all radio right now is in a phase of soul searching where it's like, okay, we love what we're doing, but how are we going to be relevant for um, years and generations to come? And podcasting is one of the, the most obvious ways to keep radio relevant. And yeah, the sort of roll call is for that is still ongoing. Uh, we're going to pick five in a year, as Aaron mentioned, I think. And yeah, we don't have our five yet. For people in Montreal who are listening or people who are in the greater Montreal area, which no one says, um, how um, could folks get in touch? They can email their proposal, like, but there's a form. Yeah. Go to our website. It has all of the instructions. Uh, before we let you go, I think because we, so you know, we do check in every couple months just to see how we're doing. And I think it's important to say that, Aaron, that you're uh, going to be moving on from the news coordinator role. So we, we won't be actually checking in with you anymore. Um, we wanted to wish you the best in everything that you're doing after this and look forward to hearing the eventual sports podcast that you'll be working on. Yeah, thank you. Um, I'm not going far. I'm just going to be at Concordia doing a master's degree in media studies. Essentially, this podcast I'm going to be working on is going to be kind of like what I hope to be like a pro-feminist, anti-colonial, anti-racist take on hockey. And Tamara, you might co-host. We're going to have a guest spot on the show. Mm. okay last thing before we let you go our mm -hmm. show in the structure of our show mm -hmm. uh, i mean our, our regular one not the shorts we have a segment called shkoyach where yes shkoyach. do you shkoyach. before we let you go do you have a shkoyach for anyone today uh you guys oh my oh, god no. shkoyach no. for no. one year of oh come on you knew i was gonna say that <laughs> no i didn't yes you did Thank uh you. definitely definitely shkoyach to trafe and it's wonderful hosts and what i said the first time we met is definitely well did meet but met for, to do this uh still is definitely even more relevant than before you're a very welcome breath of refreshingness in a weird narrative that is Jewishness in North America. Thanks, Tamara. Hey, <laughs> so when we were starting the podcast, we were having a lot of trouble figuring out how to find the people on the internet who we thought would be really excited about the show. And although I kind of fancy myself someone who frequents the World Wide Web, I didn't really feel like I had the social media skills. Yeah, and so our friend and my roommate, your former roommate. Correct. Uh, Kira Page, who has a professional background in social media. And is just an all-around solid human. Uh, was kind and generous enough with her time to sit down with the two of us and put up with our bickering and back and forths to figure out uh, a good strategy that we could use to, to reach people. With a lot of post-it notes. I remember I took pictures of all those post-it notes, but the, the, the point of the story is, is that it was really helpful, and I think that some of the strategies have definitely helped us get the show out there in a way that would not have been possible without her. Yeah, and that was about a year ago, and we thought we would check in with Kira and see how we're doing. Hey, Kira. Hi, Kira. Hi. 
Uh, where exactly are you right now? Uh, I am on a lake called Cooney Lake. It's in like the southeastern corner of British Columbia. Uh, I just kayaked to a little beach today, and then the service is pretty spotty. So I'm just sitting on a high rock, a bunch of eagles, big, beautiful lake. That sounds very you know. picturesque. It's super gorgeous. I just saw an osprey dive into the water and come out with fish in his mouth. Oh, you my know? God. That kind of place. I've only seen yeah. something like that happen once. What did you see, David? <laughs> like a birdie to fish? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I saw a birdie to fish. Somewhere in, somewhere in downtown Toronto? Yeah, I was by the Dawn Trail. <laughs> it was very nice, though. Yeah. Kira, we're calling you as our social media consultant, social media expert, social media executive officer. We are. We, we have been informed that we do not stick very much to the title. Do you have a preferred title? I mean, do whatever you want. I don't really feel like I coordinate your social media. Like, I don't care what the title is, but I feel like that's not actually been my role. Huh. Well, you're. you're I feel like. I do feel you like, feel like it has been? I mean, from a behind-the-scenes structural level, like, you've coordinated in the senses that you've, like, given us the path and we've walked down the path. Right. Yeah, and in that way, it's like you're more of a consultant. Yeah. When we, like, had our big sit-down together, we talked social media, but we talked mostly just about tone and audience and what your goals are for this, you know? So how do you feel like we've met those goals since then? Um... It's A, the podcast is so much better than the first couple episodes. I feel like the first few episodes are kind of rocky. Do you feel like that's true? I think, yeah, I think it is true. I think it's improved yeah. quite a bit. I, I feel like we definitely understand what we're doing a lot more. Are there things that you have seen us kind of not meet? Are there... I feel like I keep saying this to both of you in passing, but I feel like the banter, it's gotten so much better, but you should just keep going for it. Like, you guys are cute and funny when you talk to each other, and... Sometimes I feel like you, like, restrict yourself to it or something, you know? Mm. Kira, keep telling that to David. Uh, <laughs> you are clearly on my team here. Yeah, Sam's much more in favor of the uh, extended of the extended banter. I feel, like, I feel like I'm happy with the banter being extended in all areas of the show, except for right when you start listening. Because I feel like if that goes on for more than, like, three or four minutes, you don't really know where it's going. You don't really know what you're listening to. It's just the thing where it's, sometimes you guys start making a joke and then... I think it is actually now that you say it, like usually David, who's like, this joke is over. Like, we can't joke anymore. 100% and it's like, Kira. Just finish the joke. I, I also don't, are you guys like editing out your actual laughter or are you just so serious that you don't no, laugh in the studio? No, there is zero laughter. laughing in the studio. There, there, <laughs> no, there, there is laughter, but I feel like a lot of the times where we laugh, it's off mic. Right. Or it's like too close and it overwhelms everything and it's stuck in there. Like it's, it, I feel like we're we haven't gotten very good at laughing as a yeah, part of like our like laughing at the right location. <laughs> yeah, like, I, like as the person who's like pouring over like it. You make it funny and then you don't, and then there's no sound. And I'm like, am I supposed to laugh? Is it not funny? I thought it was uh, funny. Yeah. That's that's good to know. <laughs> that's a very useful like performative question to think about. Mm-hmm. All right, so yeah. our takeaway from this discussion <laughs> is more banter. Finish your jokes. And yeah. incorporate laughing so that the listener understands that it's a joke. <laughs> or like, I don't feel bad for the need to joke. But here's the other thing. I feel like you should care less about people who don't get the joke. I feel like there's been a, a reasonable amount of time spent recently dealing with people who like can't get your sarcasm or something. Like, who cares? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I don't, you know, whatever. It's just not a big deal. It's just sarcasm and some people are too sincere for their own good. Shots fired by our uh, social media consultant. <laughs> One thing that um, I was talking about with somebody this week was I like how I feel like for a while you guys were getting people to just talk about their projects. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, more, okay, more <laughs> recently you've been doing engaged dialogue with people about their projects, mm-hmm. like going back and forth with people. I guess more interview, but more just talking but- about people's stuff with them. And I think that's way, I'm really excited about that. I like that. I feel like it's much more interesting to listen to. A hundred percent. I think it's it's also just a question of like figuring out how to interview and then figuring out how to interview with someone else. And then, right, like it's this whole process. I think the most recent thing we put out, which might not be when this episode comes out, but we did this piece with um, Ariana Katz who put together Kaddish. And it just is such a it's such a back and forth. Like she's asking us questions. We're talking to each other. There's definitely a way in which like it's a much more listenable, engaged discussion. You have like a niche podcast, but the niche is your niche. You have things to say about it. I think it's nice for you as host to have more opportunity to sort of bring something else to the discussion, you know? 
So this is so a resolution yeah. for the second year is that we have to have our discussion. We have to interject a bit more into the discussion. Yeah. Have more of ourselves in the interviews and disagree with people or you know say what we're thinking at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Kira, this has been super helpful. This has actually been remarkably helpful. Good. I'm glad. Any harsh criticism that you feel like we need to we need to hear? No. <laughs> no, I really like the show, and I'm really glad that it's happening. And we are really glad and grateful that you've helped out in the ways that you have and are willing to talk to us from a rock in uh, eastern British Columbia. (laughs) Thank you, guys. Okay, David, how are we doing? I'm feeling okay. Yeah, I feel like we're, we're giving people a, a good taste of um, what the making of the show has been like. I'm realizing, though, that at the beginning of the show, we didn't give a disclaimer that there would be no news content at all. So all the people who put up with our banter and uh, self-indulgence on each of our episodes, we, we didn't give them an opportunity to turn off. But anyway, now is your chance, I think, David, dear I think listener. have enough agency to tune off when they want to tune off. Uh, but your but your warning you should give now anyways. This is just gonna continue, guys. <laughs> so the next person we have is someone by the name of Claire Hertig. Now, for those who listen all the way through to the end of our podcast, which is something that I advise everyone who listens to podcasts to do, because people often put gems at the end of the outros, but that's an entirely different discussion, although kind of related. Uh, so Claire Hertig is the person who put together our logo, uh, the graphic with the cross that people sometimes mistake for a tomb, but it's actually the mountain in Montreal, which is what we reference in the outro as well. So keep listening, people. Um, <laughs> yeah, so so stay tuned in, because Claire Hertig is a fantastic human who may or may not have also appeared on two previous episodes. Yeah, both me and Sam are not particularly adept at graphic design, and Claire was able to make our podcast look super great and lure people in to listening to us talk on a poorly edited podcast through the magic of her amazing design skills. So Shane and Dunk. So for folks who are listening to the Trafe podcast for the first time during the one-year anniversary show, which seems counterintuitive, but we'll roll with it anyways, uh, Claire has welcome. done... Cla- yeah, welcome. Claire has done the uh, T logo that has come to be known around the world and the banner image with the cross on it that represents Mahoyal, which is the big park in Montreal. Most importantly, well-known in Hawaii yes. by Roseanne. Yes, yes. <laughs> this is a deep cut. We've probably never talked about it on the podcast. Yeah, but, I don't think we ever did. Uh, Claire, uh, would you like to share this with the listeners? You never talked about it? Wow. Yeah, we never, we've never told anyone. Sam and David got trolled by Roseanne on Twitter. Yes. And she told them that they were anti-Semitic. She did. And again, to clarify, this is Roseanne Barr, the host of the show, Roseanne. Oh, yeah, sorry. She kind of like hate-tweeted us and then blocked us so we couldn't respond but initially didn't she like something you did it was like actually you guys are anti-semite <laughs> yeah. yeah she she retweeted <laughs> some things and endorsed the podcast yeah. and then very quickly <laughs> looked at our twitter and realized what she had done and <laughs> immediately denounced us as anti-semites and blocked us take a note from roseanne you gotta do some background research before you just blindly endorse a show that's definitely a good takeaway Rosanna's had really sketchy politics around Palestine that have shifted a lot, actually, over time. But that's an entirely different podcast. Uh, Claire, I wanted to mention... a great working class icon and feminist. Well, anti-trans politics as well, unfortunately. Oh, fine. Keep breaking my heart, Rosanna. (laughs) (laughs) Claire, I can't imagine that you spend much time looking at our Twitter account. But we've never shared this information with you. But several times, folks in the greater Boston, Massachusetts area have mentioned that our logo strongly resembles the transit logo of Boston. Were you aware of that fact? <laughs> yeah, it, it really does, except I would say that the T of Trace has much more grace in its proportions than the Massachusetts Bay Transportation Authority one. You, so, heard, it, you heard it here first. Okay, Claire, can we, can we get down to brass tacks, as they say right now? Yeah. We called you to talk about how you feel about Trafe Podcast, about thoughts you've had while listening in the past year yeah do you do you feel bad about what we've created so when we when i actually hear this on the radio you're gonna have recorded like a really eloquent question and then you're gonna put my answer in right 
Just we're, joking. We're, um, we're, how do I feel about Trey podcast? Yeah, yeah. Are are you upset with the thing that you've attached your artwork to? Oh no, not at all. I'm very proud to be associated with such a fine podcast. When I have the time to catch up on my trace listening, I'm always happy because it always makes me laugh. And perhaps that is not your goal in trace podcast, but it's funny. I think that's two new taglines right there. Just a fine podcast, and it always makes me laugh, even though it's not your intention. (laughs) Oh, speaking of, you are you are someone who works with words in various ways. We've been talking on the show about the tagline. What do you feel about this idea of a debatably Jewish podcast? Uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with it, much like other listeners have expressed to you. Okay. Um, I think it handily sums up the anxiety around Jewish identity that particularly a lot of like radical or left-wing Jews might feel particularly those who are not necessarily believers, but still identify with like the Jewish tradition of many different things, culture, resistance, history, blah, blah, blah. Also, it's funny. That's a, that's, a, <laughs> I, I think I've been convinced actually to, to keep it. Any other feedback that you have about the podcast? Um, I remember something that passed through my mind the last time I was listening to Trey's podcast. I was like, I wonder if David ever gets tired of being the straight man. <laughs> That's a very good question. You heard that I said the straight man, right? Not the yeah. straight man. Yeah, no, I got. I, I understand the yeah. distinction. I'm All considering right. that I am the one wearing lipstick in the room right now. But, <laughs> but do you feel like you're just like stuck with that position because Sam just pushed you into it? Because Sam is just being the hammy jokester? No, no, no. I feel like I... came to your partnership naturally. No, yeah. I feel like it's a natural extension. It's, it's just like an amped up extension of our of our actual dynamic or like right. an element of it. Yeah. Why don't we try um, a show where it's the opposite? We should totally do that. <laughs> I think, I think, so I think part of what informs it, I've been thinking about this, is that I'm much better reading from script in a way that I, I feel like mm-hmm. I can make it sound like I'm sitting on the spot, where for you, Sam, you're much better at spontaneous Correct. stuff and, and really struggle with the script, where I struggle with spontaneous. Those skill sets, I think, lead themselves to those characters. I think that is a very straight man assessment of the situation. <laughs> and also pretty true. Which also like informs a lot of the way we do the podcast, where unlike many podcasts, we don't have any scripting. Yeah. But I've, I've really pushed myself away from that. So, Claire, yeah. thanks, for, thanks for checking in with us about uh, where we're at. You're not putting that on the radio, right? <laughs> nope, definitely not. The director of design, everybody. Bye. God said to Abraham, kill me a son. Abe says, man, you must be putting me on. God said no. Abe says what? God said you can do what you want, Abe, but... It's time for Shkreach. <laughs> It is time for Please send us in your suggestions for introductions. Oh yeah, yeah. We it's hard sometimes to think of random non sequitur things. Yeah, we are kind of running out of them, and this was a hail mary. (laughs) Yeah, but consistently over the last year, we've asked people what they like most about the show, and Uh, they've said consistently. The answer is Yeah. In fact, Shkoyach has gotten so popular that another podcast, The Rebel Beat, is joined Rage Against the Machines. Joined uh, Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machines uh, record label, incorporated the uh, Shkoyach segment. And um, we also got a Facebook notification a couple weeks ago. Oh, yeah. Me. Someone reached out to us and was just telling us that they love Shkoyach so much that their leftist Jewish organization on campus had actually incorporated it into their meetings so they each have to give a Shkoyach to something at the beginning of the meetings. Shkoyach to them definitely more popular than anything else we've done by light years on that note david could you ring in the one year anniversary with uh, shkoyach of your choosing um so i i feel like there's a lot of pressure because it's the one year anniversary i wanted to bring a shkoyach that could live up to it mm-hmm. and i just want to say outright that everyone listening i was not able to do this i totally failed <laughs> wow, I, that was an emotional roller coaster I, I spent an hour or two today just looking through the last month of the jewish press for Don't something sell yourself here david okay so just i'm just putting that out there just to lower the expectations a bit it's just a regular square so my square for today goes to a rabbi named avi weiss who is the national president of an organization called the coalition for jewish concerns coalition for jewish concerns now wait it, one sec we have a rabbi weiss 
He's the national president. National president. What nation? Uh, America. Okay. For our international listeners, we I actually noticed there's 14 people in Cuba last week who listened. Uh, it's true. It's true. Thank you for listening. Thank you, uh, Cuba. Might have been someone on vacation. Uh, but I think it's safe to say that organizations with names like the Coalition for Jewish Concerns are not typical recipients of our Skoyaks on this show. Nope, that is correct. And if you're unfamiliar with why that is, just listen to the past year's worth of podcasts. Uh, David, for someone who's tuning in for the first time to a one-year anniversary episode, would you give them a 20-second explanation why that kind of terminology is frightening? Well, typically, organizations with names like Coalition for Jewish Concerns tend to view the concerns facing most Jews as a lack of racism against Arab people. They have to really, you know, bring the fight or they see there being a huge problem of black activists being able to do their work with not enough harassment, for example. And I think the truth is, like, we would both really love to see groups like that with names like that doing good work. But historically, at least in the last 20 to 30 years, groups with words like concerns usually are not concerns that align with uh, the concerns that we have. But with hey, that being said... In this case, the reason that I'm, I'm issuing both Avi Weiss and the coalition, my shoyach, is in relationship to a trip that the Pope recently took to the grounds of Auschwitz. Did you read about this? Uh, no, this this slipped my, uh, this slipped my radar. It's, who is it? It's uh, not Benedict. Pope Francis. Francis. So he's the third Pope to have ever visited a concentration camp. Wow, who else went? Um, the two preceding him. Oh, okay. PJP2. Uh, oh, bless PJP2. I didn't know you were a fan. I mean, didn't people like him? I, I'm kind of kidding. I don't actually know, but um, Benedict was just Hitler Youth. I think maybe saying just Hitler Youth has a particular <laughs> suggestion, but we can say that he was a member of the yes, Hitler Youth. Yes, yeah, and, and anyways, I'm sorry for derailing. But, but one weird fact that I wasn't aware of is that there's actually a church on the grounds. Oh, that's weird. Wait, so it's not from the Second World War? No, no, it's more recently constructed. So some Poles built a church on Auschwitz? That is correct. That seems maybe not the best idea. What I found out is that there was an agreement made after a previous incident where there was a a convent that was established by nuns in the 80s. Pope John Paul caved to some pressure and, and he closed it down. And See, after, I told you. <laughs> and, and so there's, there's an agreement where they're like, we're not going to make any more churches here. We understand it's a bad idea. But apparently that deal was ignored and there was another church built. Huh. So this rabbi wrote a Mr. letter. Weiss, Weiss. Yeah, he is urging the Pope to shut down this church. He says it's really inappropriate. You're proselytizing elsewhere. He said that church does not belong in the largest Jewish cemetery in the world. Wait, did Francis interact? From everything I've read, there have been no reports about him responding to this. Mm. But this seems like part of an effort to build some pressure. Okay. Well, uh, tweet at Pope Francis. Tell him to support uh, Mr. Weiss's initiative. I think it's Weiss. I think we've had this conversation before about Weiss Weiss. Well, it's different for different people. (laughs) Funny guy over here. Uh, it just seems like, a, yeah, like why build a church? There's a lot of space in Poland, I would assume, to build a church. The, uh, so, and who owns that land is another question. It's probably the government. Yeah, I'm sure it's publicly owned. Yeah, that's confusing then. And what Rabbi Weiss is suggesting is that it be turned into a museum. Okay, so David, this is a positive shkoyach to a leader of the institutional Jewish community. Yeah, yeah. He's definitely a leader within this new open orthodoxy movement. Google it if you're not familiar. I don't know if he's necessarily a leader of the institutional Jewish world, but he definitely exists within the Jewish institutional world. Yeah, and, and you're giving him a shkoyach. I feel like it's normally it would be an anti-shkoyach for someone of his position. Well, today is a, is a happy day, Sam. The one-year extravaganza 5775-5776 episode. Uh, so what's your shkoyach? Um, so I, I don't know how to define it entirely, but I want to give the shkoyach to certain Jewish rituals and practices around death and dying. Oh, I mean, this also ties into a conversation we just had with Ariana Katz, creator of the Kaddish podcast. It does. That was definitely part of it. Um, but no, recently a relative died. I went to the funeral and I went to Shiva and I listened to people talk and I was just kind of around a lot of practices and ideas and it, and it felt meaningful in a way. I don't necessarily practice on a regular basis. I don't really subscribe to a lot of the rituals. But yeah, no, I just want to kind of put it out there that it felt like I understood a lot of the value of people choosing to be together for an extended period of time, Mm -hmm. of having a set schedule, of being around other people in these kind of times. No, totally. I mean, in, in the lives that we lead, I feel like we're constantly in a mode of having to create the rituals that we have in our lives for yeah. the important periods. And definitely in times of sorrow and, and, and when we lose people, it's a really difficult thing to have to create the entire ritual at that moment. And it's yeah. kind of an amazing thing to be able to just 
dive into a preset structure. And yeah. I remember what Ariana was saying was that she referred to it as the best technology we have as Jewish people uh, uh, is our ritual around death. Yeah. Just hearing the melodies of songs that are familiar uh, and just seeing people kind of like move and pray in a certain way. Like there is something affecting about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, even And it's weird. I guess what I'm trying to say to you is it's kind of weird trying to mesh that with feeling somewhat antagonistic towards the institution that represents it and towards some of the ideas that are underpinning like that it that it promotes yeah and i think that's why uh you know like organizations like united jewish people's order and the workman's circle are are very fond of of sort of taking elements of the ritual outside of the context of the religion and just incorporating it into a broader leftist secular interaction with jewishness but it feels weird like i don't know how meaningful that would be to someone who didn't grow up around any of that right like the familiarity of a song or the familiarity of hearing someone say Shema means not the same to someone who heard it before, right? Totally. I mean, like, this brings me back, like we mentioned earlier about, you know, starting the show out of this context where we're meeting with other Jewish radicals in the city and trying to figure out a shared vision of what we could be doing together. Mm. And, and a lot of those conversations kind of kept coming back to questions of identity and, and people wanting to explore what it meant to be Jewish and Jewish identity. Yeah. And something that I really struggled with I feel like because of my upbringing that I grew up Orthodox and, and now I'm, I'm a Jewish anarchist, a secular Jewish anarchist. AKA a punk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, I feel like that trajectory is so anachronistic to this time. But mm. all those Jewish anarchists at the turn of the century, that was all of their trajectories, right? Like they grew up in a traditionalist uh, Orthodox, maybe it wouldn't have been referred to that way because there wasn't, the other movements weren't present at that time to distinguish. Yeah. And then left it and, and became leftist radicals. And, and so but, I, but, but I don't think any of them, and like I did a bunch of research on the Yiddish anarchists in, in the US at that, at that time. And like, I think maybe some of them would pretend that they weren't affected by all this, but a lot of them acknowledge, like a lot of the structures of a lot of their pieces were explicitly ref- like referring to prayers and texts. And oh, right? definitely, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, like, I, I'm not in America, but in London, there is definite tensions about how much to reject the religion and how much to use it as a tactic of gaining mm. support from the masses, etc. But But the reason I'm bringing this up is that, like, when we were in those conversations, the only other person who I felt like had a similar experience and some relationship to it was over the age of 70. So, you yeah. know, being like, this isn't my world. This isn't what I believe in, but I can come back to it and have this fondness from a distance because I don't have to deal yeah. with all of the day-to-day. No. And, and I feel like that's actually something that's fairly unique to be able to have such familiarity with it and also be so distant from it politically. Yeah. But now, I mean, maybe with what's happening, we're reading all the time about millennials being increasingly politically distant from the institutional Jewish community. Like maybe what we're seeing now is like another wave of that, right? Like everyone's kind of going in their own direction and we'll yeah. have these associations. Who knows? But anyway, that's, that's what it brings up for me. Yeah. And so, yeah, Meshkoyach loosely goes to the morning ritual. Also to, I guess, the Kaddish podcast for folks to check out again to promo this new really solid podcast. So yeah, David, we ended the one-year anniversary with two relatively positive squares. That's true. Definitely turned around. Yeah. They said it couldn't be done. (laughs) To another year in irony. Have we ever had a double positive? Should I say something negative just to balance it out? Yes, but um, make it fast. Okay, this feels much better. Uh, Anti-Shkoyach to all of the Jewish institutions that have condemned Black Lives Matter and organizations that support Black Lives Matter after they released their policy platform because they couldn't deal with the realities of the way the state of Israel operates and the fact that it is a colonial state. Anti-Shkoyach times a thousand. Yes, so two positives and a half negative because once it happens outside of the Shkoyach zone, it doesn't have the same weight as the two initial Shkoyachs. And it's been a year, David. It's been a year. Yeah. David, this is our last interview, which you know already because we planned this episode out. Um, Mm -hmm. We spoke to someone who is very close to you, someone who is involved in your rearing in a a very uh, intentional and uh, close way. Uh, Who might that person be? It's my mom. Yes, it was your mom. It is your mom. Who we spoke to when she was visiting you in Montreal. 
Yeah, she she was kind enough to come to the CKT studios and withstand the immense heat and the tiny little box room that we recorded the podcast in. And so maybe a little less directly than the pr- previous three guests or four guests, your mom has played an, uh, a tremendous role in shaping who you are and the ideas you bring to the podcast. That's true. Yeah. Uh, in fact, uh, at one point about a year ago, uh, me and my sister sort of had a, an intervention with their mom and, and we were saying we all have this general perspective. Uh, we all think it's from you. We think that maybe you're also uh, <laughs> uh, an anarchist, uh, leftist. And what was her reply? Although I know because I listened to the interview that we did with her. Uh, she begrudgingly conceded. Okay. Well, if you take this moment now to, to thank her for the kind, informative, and important things that she did to uh, help you become the human you are today. I, I should say, like, my mom raised me mostly in an Orthodox community. And it's thanks to her that I have an understanding of, of Jewish life, of Jewish law, of Jewishness more generally. Uh, a lot about the Jewish religion that <laughs> I, I could, uh, I'm not particularly excited about this stage of my life, but um, it was also her that taught me all of, and modeled a lot of the values and a lot of the ways of living that I think define my life today as a leftist and as an anarchist. And uh, if it wasn't for her, I, I would definitely would not be doing this podcast. And I don't think I'd be doing anything that I'm excited about today in my life. So you can listen to me and Sam talk with my mom. Now, David has told me before that he used to write up your Canadian Jewish news. Like he would come to your house, he would see the Canadian oh. Jewish news and they'd make notes on them. Oh, I, I used to love that. And what he didn't know is that I used to leave it in the bathroom on purpose half the time. <laughs> <laughs> Just to get him going. Now, and then I would enjoy seeing his feedback afterwards. <laughs> Do you feel like you have similar kinds of notes if you were to treat the, our podcast like the Canadian Jewish News? What kind of uh, notes would you be writing? Yeah, like critiques. First of all, it was also Jewish Tribune. Oh, uh, yeah. All right. May it rest, uh, yes, may, may it, rest may it, may it stay dead forever. Yes. The boxes are still around, just well, to remind you. Well, I don't know. Have you seen the the, uh, the new CIJ news, though? It's the Canadian-Israeli Jewish news. I, I have seen it. It's I don't more, read it. It's more right than the Tribune. Oh, well. So um, you, you what were you asking me about a, a critique yeah. of what I... First of all, I love your camaraderie. I love listening to the two of you. I love the way you tease each other and <laughs> come up with little bits of secret information. So also, I get nachas when I hear David um, refer to his Jewish education. So I'm I'm glad that we invested in that. So that he he has <laughs> I, an inside story. But I, I feel like you're pulling the punches. Do you have do you have critiques? So there's lots to like about your show. It's very educational and it's very informative and it's very amusing. Now it's um, time for the hate yeah, mail. Well, yes. <laughs> I don't like doing hate mail, but apparently you you seek it out. It's not really about your show. It's just about my experience of it. And part of it is what you're doing is that um, you're bursting any sort of romanticized notions that some of us may be attached to with regard to our Jewish education, Jewish upbringing, through the education that you're giving us. So that's a struggle. And what to find to replace that with and yeah. what to do with that in a community where you, you, there's a, it's very complex. That's been something that's been coming up in interviews of this question of like, when you if, if you you know if you tear down the structure of how the jewish community organizes today like what are you left with what are you actually building i i know i've been on your case to to go to check out the winchevsky center the united jewish oh, people's true. order thanks for the reminder like i feel like they're a great example of jewish community that is organizing itself along lines that are not racist that you know are not reinforcing white supremacy mm-hmm. or anti-immigrant sentiment you know around zionism uh, very critical so i feel like there are examples that exist yeah. of, of this happening with a jewish identity yeah is what you're saying yeah exactly yeah. and i feel like yeah. even our show is an example of uh being able to talk about these issues and insist that it's also jewish debatably <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> leave it in i like it <laughs> So anyway, that was, that was a very sincere response. Did you have any other critiques? Uh, critiques? Oh, let me see. Or just things that rubbed you the wrong way or like, this is really annoying. Um, um, some of the, um, the BDS issues, uh, I, I struggle with that as well as the Jewish identity part. Um, that, that's a tough one. That's a tough one for me because where I'm living and what I'm hearing is very counter and that there's so much that Israel co- uh, contributes. And I there's mean, always we, this... We should also say where exactly you are living. I, okay, well, um, I live in a traditional community north of Toronto <laughs> that remains 
<laughs> nameless at the moment. Um, yeah, yeah, I think it's fair to say that the politics of this particular community are, are very far right and are very informed by Zionism. Yes. And often it'll be like boycott this and there'll be a list of life-saving technology and uh, medical discoveries that are all made in Israel. And if you boycott and things to do with your cell phones and aviation uh, for planes landing. And if you boycotted everything, that the world would be a less good place. Oh, yeah. I mean, the point about the limits of of boycotting, I mean, I definitely... uh definitely sympathetic to like I think there is a limit to consumer politics but there is a you know particular call that went out from Palestinian people about things that people can do and this is Mm -hmm. very high on the list and I'm curious whether you have any concepts or responses or opinions on what people will say in in response to your opposition of the state of Israel which is wouldn't you feel comfortable knowing that there's a place that you can go Yeah, well, to be honest, I mean, my answer with this one is pretty simple in that I think that people should be able to live wherever they want in the world, ideally. It's also ideal that every region of the world does not disadvantage certain groups of people over other groups of people. But that's not always the case, as we know, historically, especially with the persecuted minority. Yeah, definitely. And And I mean, for me, like what I would say is that I don't want a place reserved for me if that place is on the backs of other people. I don't want a place that's friendly to me if it's through violent colonialism. I understand that, and I'm aware of that, but I think my question is a step beyond that, that if it was not the case, would there there still be merit to its existence? That's my question for you. Sure. Barobajan. I mean, mean, yeah, I'd be be incredibly happy if there was a a territory that was mostly Jewish people, but that's not what, but that's not the same as a state. But I don't see how having an area that's just the major, uh, majority Jewish population would be any, any sort of um, sanctuary. Or s- I don't see how that would make a difference. I, I mean, I think the, there's another question is what is the function of the maintenance of a colonial state with a Jewish brand on it to the safety of Jews, both within that territory and globally? And I actually think it's, it's a negative relationship that it's making Jews a lot less safe through its, its continued violent imposition. Fair enough. But anyway, no, uh, anyway, away move, moving away from debating BDS and its and, and, and Zionism. Yeah, I guess this brings us to our the portion of the segment where we're going to talk about embarrassing stories from David's youth. Yay. Um, <laughs> uh, I believe that you have come prepared to this event. Um, somewhat. Um, I'll start off with something uh, about his background. Uh, yeah. David, how do you feel about this? Oops. I, I'm not quite sure where you're, where you're going oh, with isn't this. Isn't that the point? <laughs> <laughs> well, when David was very very small, yeah. he. In regards to his, I'm sure everyone knows about his veganism and his eating. I mean, even when he was a little kid at school, they used to call him the tofu cucumber kid. And and one other quick story was when David went to his Adlerian uh, nursery school when I was picking him up one day. Uh, For those uh, keyed into 1980s pop psychology movements. (laughs) I don't know what that is, so you're going to have to explain it to me. It's Dreikers, yes. You're just saying more words that I don't understand. Adlerian (laughs) philosophy of child... Uh, child rearing, logical consequences of your behavior, positive reinforcement, things like that. Oh, wow. And I went straight from that to an oh, yes. Orthodox Zionist institution. Yes. Where people gave him candy at synagogue. <laughs> um, Wait, so, let's, let's talk more about this daycare. Okay, so uh, yes, one day I was picking him up. Uh, it, was, it was a great school. I, it was really great, and he thrived in that environment. And very briefly. Very briefly. And when, when I picked him up one day, I, I did this. I, oh, gosh, people hear this. I can't believe I said this to you. It must have been a reason why I needed to give you this incredible treat. And I said, today, this was before I started keeping kosher, which was 25 years or more ago. And uh, I said, David, we're going to go to McDonald's. And he burst out, burst into tears. And I said, what's wrong? What's wrong? And he said, I want a green apple. I don't <laughs> want to go to McDonald's. <laughs> So he's always been uh, wow. Uh, um, <laughs> in in the next year of the podcast, are there things that you want us to not do, or things that you want us to do? Well, I, I again, my issue is um, what what do you use as a replacement when you when you start losing your um, connection to to a certain romanticized notion or an, a certain identifier? I think it's very hard for people. That's why you'll hold on to them. I think Off the Derek probably deals with this issue, which is being ostracized. Um, that's a big elephant in the room that I'm not even comfortable talking about. Um, so I'm not sure if that might be helpful or not helpful to, to bring up. 
no, for sure. I, I, I feel like that question of what can community look like that incorporates all of these ideas, mm-hmm. uh, I think is definitely something that we're talking with yes, people about. I think that's, nece- that's very necessary. Something that is a struggle for us on the show a lot is that we want to be talking about the positive and we want to be talking to people who are doing things as Jewish people that are very exciting to us. Yes. But to be honest, like the list is not very large. And if we if we were able to have dozens of people on the line to talk to us about all the amazing things they're doing in the institutional Jewish world that are anti-racist, supporting immigrants, and it's just not so, the reality we live in. So we're kind of confined in a certain respect of how much positive we can be talking about. So here's an idea I'll just throw out there. What about suggesting some forums, some ideas? How about having a brainstorming session where people can call in or can mail in and you can read them out or you can pre-prepare or not pre-prepare? So maybe if these things don't already exist, you could create a platform for making a space for that or give people a a kernel or a seed that they can grow into something like that. I really like that idea. If people send positive things in, um, talking about it in some capacity, 100% positive, constructive, things that cohere with the ideas of the podcast. Yeah, totally. And one of our last episodes, we had an interview with uh, the executive director of an organization called Jews for Racial and Economic Justice. And Mm -hmm. and we were just talking with her about their organization and how it works and what they do, because to us, they are an example of what this can look like. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I feel like we've been been trying to do the same thing with folks who are involved with the United Jewish People's Order, because it gives a picture of like, what can Jewish community look like this way? So do you know how you have a special sound effect for different things in your show you were telling me? So maybe you could have a special portion where it would be highlighted so it doesn't look like it, it doesn't get lost for people like mm-hmm. me that aren't really integrated into your lifestyles. So then I would know to listen carefully. Here's a suggestion of a way forward. Here's an alternative. Mm-hmm. Different sound bite, different noise, or a heads up of some kind. Oh, so that's a really good idea. Yeah, no, that's a great idea. I mean, I think we've tried to do that a little bit on some episodes. At the end of the show, we have this thing called recommendation. Oh, okay. And so maybe we could throw some music around recommendation yeah. and, <laughs> and maybe chain, brand it a little bit more where it's like, these are constructive things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, we will most definitely do this over the next year. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming into the studio. Thank you for having me. It's yeah. great to be in this uh, wonderful city of Montreal under the uh, cross of secular... <laughs> <laughs> So that's our episode. Thanks so much for sticking with us throughout the whole year. Thanks to everyone who has written an iTunes review. Uh, there, there are more interviews that we did for this episode than we can fit in it, so we're going to release one or two of them as shorts following this. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Thank you so much for responding to us on the internet, sending us criticism, sending us affirmation. That was positive. Thank you so much for listening to the show and talking to people about the show. It's meant a lot. Yeah, we're going to be releasing a lot of new episodes that we're very excited about and hope to hear all your hate mail over the next year. Oh, and David, thank you. I feel like we should do that at, at this point. Uh, thank you, Sam. Yeah, it's been uh, cool doing this project with you. I'm really glad that we decided to do it, and it's been really great. Next year in CKUT. <laughs> Trafe is Sam Bick and David Zinman. A huge thanks to CKUT 90.3 FM, where we record the podcast under the giant cross of secularism on occupied Ganyakahaga territory. As always, thank you to Sax Syndrome and So-Called for the music. Thank you to Kira Page for social media consultancy. Thank you to Cadence O'Neill for making TrafePodcast.com. Thank you to Claire Hurtig for continuing to be the chief executive officer of the design department at Trafe. And thank you to Seek Lavery for designing our poster, which will be on the streets in the upcoming weeks. Uh, please follow us on your favorite podcast app and on all social media at Trafe, T-R-E-Y-F. And I know we've said it before, we're going to keep saying it. Please, 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 please write us an iTunes review. Honestly, we cannot tell you how significant it is, even though we don't actually know, but that's what all the other podcasts say. Oh, no, we, I mean, like, it's been actually obvious the more reviews we've gotten, the more it bumped us up. (laughs) All right, with that being said, see you soon.
I probably did always tell you not to go along with the system. Okay, there, I admit it. Okay, guilty as charged. <laughs> this is a very good moment to plug our new website, tracepodcast.com. <laughs> hey, do you know Sadie Smith is Jewish? Oh, I don't know. Is this person Jewish segment? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You Kira, leave me a message. Hey, Kira. Um, it's Sam and David. And we're at the station, and we're calling you on the phone uh, to talk about social media consultancy. And uh, let's give us a call back. <laughs> <laughs>